Hello and welcome to the Football First podcast with me, Amos Wynn. Each week I'll be welcoming a range of guests to discuss their memories of a beautiful game. Whether that is their first kit, first boots or the first match we went to, we shall be covering it. This series will be slightly different as we'll be welcoming different guests with connections to Southport FC. In this episode I'm joined by club legend Earl Davis. During multiple spells at the club, the former centre-back became a popular figure. He was involved in two title-winning seasons in the National League North and struck up a great friendship with manager Liam Watson. So much further ado, let's get into the podcast and find out more about Big Earl. Earl Davis, welcome to the Football First podcast. How are you? Thank you. All good, thank you. Looking forward to it. You've been retired for a few years now out of the game and you've built a career as a personal trainer. But yeah, can anything really truly replace football? Um, no, not at all. No, no, no. Uh, I don't think you realise it at the time. You know, you, you think you you're doing something that's pretty pretty good, but yeah, as soon as you finish, you you know damn well that there's. Uh, I'm sure there is, but I I've not found it up to now. Um, and I'm one of the fortunate ones that loves my job as well. But yeah, still doesn't compare to the old footy. Have you ever tried, like, sort of looking at a career in football after they're playing side, or you just focus on obviously the personal training kind of thing? No, well, I to be fair, five aside and all that kind of stuff was never my thing anyway. Um, once you make it below head height and you take tackles and heading the ball out of it, it's uh, it's not really, I'm not much use. Um, so, no, I've never really followed it. Plus, me, my knees were absolutely wrecked, weren't they? That was why I stopped in the first place. So, I did the knees, did the Achilles. Um, and it, it was a case of I weren't really able to do much once I'd said that I, I need to stop anyway. So, not much going on now in terms of football. So, you missed a trick. You know, we've had Big Sam, the manager, because we had Big Earl, the manager. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. There was there was a bit of me that that wanted to go down that route, as you know. I was working under Liam Watson and learnt a lot from him and loved uh, his style to an extent. And yeah, he did. I think uh, I I did a little stint as his assistant down at uh, Staley Bridge when he when he did a bit there. And uh, yeah, it, it was interesting seeing that side of it. But kids, family, work. It all had to take priority in the end. Of course, during your career, you played for quite a few clubs, but we established the club that you support and you've always supported. So I'm right in saying it's Manchester United. It is, yeah, it is. Uh, not the not the best team to be supporting at the minute, but yeah, we've had we've had our joys over the years. Yeah, you had a good run under Ferguson. It's only right now that yeah, you've got this little bit of misery going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would. Uh, but it feels good to say that, doesn't it? Obviously, growing up with United being a dominant team was awful. So now it's just, <laughs> just check the league table, put a smile on my face every day. But it must be yeah. annoying for fans. Like you're just seeing, like obviously things under Ollie went sour. Obviously, yeah. maybe you know it feels fair to say he, he's not a big coach. He's not a top level no. coach. No, no. And no. you've got Randnick in, and now you're hearing stories that players are complaining over life under him. It's only been a month. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think that's a mad one, that really. I've, um, 
I'm not really caught up with it in the last week, uh, the last couple of days, sorry, but I, I, surely that it's too soon to be that much un, unrest. You know, not, there's talk, uh, the rumour was he, he made them do a double session or something and they were leaving the training ground at four o'clock and they're not happy about it, but I'm not being funny, even at my level, when things weren't going right, you know you've got to work harder to put it right. Um, so if that means staying behind the, a couple hours, like I said, we would have done that at Southport, so I don't see why these boys can't be giving him a chance and doing it the way he wants to do it. Yeah, as like a non-league player, if a new manager had come in during any point in your career, like, would you have been willing to give it that extra, like, especially so early on, like even for even longer, to give that extra and prove yourself to them if the team had been struggling? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I, I don't like to knock players when you don't know the situation, uh, to be honest with you. But, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, if, if you care about the club, the game, do you know what? You don't even have to care about the club, to be totally honest with you. It's personal pride, isn't it? If you want to actually be playing and there's a new guy and you've got an opportunity to prove yourself for this guy, I think that was definitely the case at my level because people only knew you to a certain extent, didn't they? You know, the, you might hear a few rumours, you know, managers talking that, but with these guys, we, we pretty much know a lot about you. You know what I mean? We've seen a lot of you, we've seen you on Sky, we've seen you on TV playing most weeks, so... For a manager to go in, I would have said it was the same for them as it was for me, even at my level. you still got to prove yourself again and show that you want to be there and show that you want to try and turn it around. Um, I'd like to think that a few of them actually care about the club enough you know, to want to turn it around. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's not really looking that way in certain, with certain players, is it? Obviously, it goes beyond... The squad as well, like the whole the whole thing with Oli seemed like a mess. With yeah, dealt with from the from the top. But also with Rangnick, like it's a bit of a weird situation where he's manager now, and then he's going to move upstairs into another position, and he's going to propose who the new manager is and deal with like shaping the club. How does yeah. that work when like, especially if things aren't going to plan at the moment? If he finishes the season, he's had an awful stint as manager. How does that work? Him stepping up, it just seems like everything yeah, he's kind of like well. Yeah, it, it's one of them, and if if the opposite was to happen and he had an absolute worldie and you're like, right, this guy knows what he's on about, we're all dialed into what he's, what he's about, um, let's hope that he puts that into the new manager, he picks a manager based on his philosophies and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, like you say, it could, it could go the absolute opposite of that, it could go horribly wrong and everyone be like, right, why is this guy still at the club? And... How's he going to be above the new manager? My worry with the, the interim, you call them, interim managers, is they're almost like supply teachers, aren't they? You know, if, the, if there's players there that, that know that they're sound contract-wise and this, they know that this guy's just kind of passing through, you know, there's a bit of that in there, isn't there, that they're just going to be playing up kind of thing because you're not the... You're not the man. Was it uh, Rafa Benitez a few years ago at Chelsea that kicked off about that? And I, I, I agree with him. It's uh, it's a funny one that we, to be honest, when I first heard that we were doing it, I was like, Do you know, it, it it does make sense, and it looks like we're trying to build something. But then at the same time, 
yeah, it, it, it could go horribly wrong. So we'll see. And it's starting again. You know, we said that we're starting again under Moise and it's going to take a few years. Said that you're going to start again under, uh, what do you call him? Yeah, basically, it just keeps happening, doesn't it? Then there was Jose, right? We'll start again. And it was Ollie. Ollie looked like he was struggling at first and then he, he came good, kind of decent towards the end of last season. Um, but we knew deep down he weren't going to be the man. So we're starting again under this guy and then we've got to start again with whoever comes in again, haven't we? So when you say you're three, four years off Liverpool City, that just keeps getting knocked back every time we start again, doesn't it? The plan always seems dependent on success and doesn't really have a fallback on if things don't go to plan. Personally, I'd like to see Rangnick uh, make his recommendation at the end of the season and just keep himself on. No matter how it goes, I'd like to see just, just see him give himself a job just for pure banter of it. <laughs> just saying, right, yeah. well, this is it. That, that could be the case. Like, like I say, if he was to do an amazing job, why would you go out and get another manager anyway? Like, why, why wouldn't he just, why wouldn't he stay on side? I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming we, we've been an absolute joke, um, even above the manager for as long as I can remember. So I, I don't know how it's going to pan out, but you'd like to think that all this has been talked about and it is a definite and they kind of do know who is going to come in and he's already been worded up and it is just basically keeping the seat warm and everyone's on the same page. But with United, you just don't know at the minute. And where do you stand on Cristiano Ronaldo? Obviously, you all love him, but yeah, was it was it, was it the right signing? Obviously, obviously, he's done absolutely class in terms of goals and his numbers. Yeah, but I'm debates pressing. Like, will he work hard for the team, and will the rest of the team work with him? In the... Yeah, I, there's certain players, him being one of them, Messi, whatever goes on. Leading up to the point of signing him, I don't know how anyone could say that was going to be a stupid signing. It was going to be a bad signing. You're literally signing goals. It, you know, you got guaranteed goals there. I know what everyone's saying about the pressing and that, but look, when when Ollie signed him, I don't think, I don't think the new manager or whatever he's going to be was even in the in frame for the job. Um, I don't know. Either way, I don't think it matters what your philosophy is. I don't care whether it's all about pressing and it starts from the front. You have got to sign Ronaldo if he's available. And I, I didn't mind that and I still don't. Yeah, the play looks a bit bit of a mess at the minute, but I don't know. Maybe, if, maybe he needs to just have a word with him and say, look, you're not starting games, although I would start him. You're not starting games because this is how we play and then bring him on if need be. But yeah, for me, he had to he had to be signed if he was available. And is Phil Jones better than Maguire? Oh gee, oh wow, wow! Hey, do you know what? When he came, I was like, look, defenders union and all that. Like, he's old school. I like that he can head a ball. I like that he looks like he can tackle. He looked like a leader. Um, but he seems to have gone downhill, doesn't he? He's uh, he definitely struggled for England and it's uh, he's not looking any better this season. So I, I don't know what's going on there. Um, Phil Jones, we kind of, it's bad, but we kind of gave up on him a while back. But 
Fair play to him to, to step in and do the job he did the other day. Yeah, it looks good. With Maguire, I've, I've never been his biggest fan. Like, I've never been sold that he should be Manchester United captain as such. And I thought he was... Oh, no, no way. But that, that, that shows you where we're at, doesn't it, really? But I thought bringing Varane in, I know Varane's been injured a lot, but I thought bringing Varane in next to him would make him a better player. And the mm. two would combine, like, obviously Varane's class and Maguire's yeah. sort of, like, traditional defending would work. When we have played yeah. together, I've not seen that at all. I've just seen Maguire no, no. making a mess for Varane and then both, they're both struggling like headless chickens. Yeah, then he's making a class defender like Varane look a bit nervy as well, isn't it? So it's not good, really. But um, you know what? There's been there's been a couple signings where I felt sorry for the managers, where you're like, it fully makes sense on paper. You can tell someone's been working on the stats and it fully makes sense and he's a top player and it's still not worked out. Um, I think like I said, we've just not got a spine. There were there were players in previous years that have come into Fergie's teams and they might have been average, but for being surrounded by Rooney, Keane, you know. Schmeichel, whoever it was, whatever area they went into, if you've got players around, just like Liverpool now, if Liverpool make a signing, chances are he's going to be, he's going to look decent because you, you're settled, aren't you? You've got a lot around you. You're going into a settled squad, a good team. Klopp would only sign someone that suits his philosophy and his system, so you're going to slot right in, whereas at the minute we're so confused as to what we're meant to be doing as signing like Ronaldo, like Varane is just coming into what the hell is this? Like, I'm playing a back four, I'm playing in a back three. Who's my partner meant to be? So I do feel sorry for signings that are coming in at the minute because, yeah, it's, it's not exactly settled, is it? Well, we'll move away from the doom and gloom of the present and we'll start looking back on the past. So we'll get into your football oh, first. On, then. <laughs> what was your first memory of football? You know, if, if I'm totally honest, first memory of football wouldn't have even been Man United. It was whoever was playing on TV at the time when I was a kid. So I think it was Wimbledon or someone like that. Yeah, way back in the early 90s. I was quite late getting into football to say that I ended up playing. Um, so I, I think I was like seven, eight, before, well, maybe even a bit older than that before I started watching it and stuff. So... Yeah, you're talking early 90s for me. Obviously, you started supporting United at the beginning of the success. Did that have an impact on your support? And did your family around you also have the influence? Yeah, no, that was that was purely a family thing. Yeah, all my family, always parents, grandparents. It was always Man United. I think there was one uncle. Yeah, one uncle that was a City fan. Apart from that, everyone was... Everyone's Man United, so yeah, that that was always going to be the case. To be fair, once once he realised there was into football, because um, I was kind of I'm born in the middle, so I was born in my side, but the part of my side I was born it is like a couple miles to Old Trafford one way, and then a couple miles to Main Road at the time, the other way. So yeah, it could have gone either way, but the the family had me uh, had me Man United, thankfully. Well, for a long time, it was thankfully. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, true. 
So do you remember the first match you went to growing up? No, not got a clue. Yeah, I have actually, tell a lie. Um, you could sneak into Main Road after half time. So um, yeah, a couple of us sneaked into there um, a couple of times. And then after that, no, I couldn't tell you. I got into playing football. And it was back then, it was so hard to get United tickets in. My family didn't have the money to be having season tickets or anything like that. So it was always a case of I'd just jump in with someone if someone else's parents were, were going. Um, so, yeah, I can't, I can't actually remember a game or a season. It was just so ad hoc. If, if someone just offered us a ticket at school, you'd just jump on it kind of thing. But yeah, there was no like big occasion with someone from my family taking me to a game and it being an emotional time or anything like that. So because it was such a scarce maybe experience for you, getting to go and see United live, did that make yeah. walking to Old Trafford like, even more special every time you did and just experiencing the atmosphere? Oh yeah, even yeah, even now right into adulthood, yeah, there's um quite a few experiences there and it's it's unbelievable with um a friend of ours, is, her parents have got a box there as well. So we've been in the box a couple of times. So we've experienced both parts of it, sat in various parts of the stadium and what have you. And yeah, every single time, no matter where you sit, no matter what you're doing, no matter what the result. As I say, fortunately for me, it was over the years, I'm sure you'll get it now at Liverpool. It was a case that you'd turn up and even if we conceded, you'd just say, oh, yeah, I'd be all right. We're going to go on to win it. So I can't think of too many defeat I don't think they've seen seen draws so yeah um unbelievable unbelievable stadium still the best uh, I've I've ever been to not just because of me United fan but just because of the whole the whole feel of it and everything so obviously the United fan I'm guessing you first kicked out of United so do you remember which one it was and you got a name on the back yeah the I, I was a bit of a geek with it Back in the day, so when I was in school and that, um, and the odd time my mum would offer to buy me one for Christmas or whatever, I always chose to get the training kit. I don't know why. I don't know why. That, I don't know if I was just trying to be a bit different or whatever, or pretending that I actually played for him a lot. But um, so the first, the actual first top I got was the uh, the black view cam one. I think it was, was it sharp view cam the the sponsor there but I remember it being the black one with the yellow crest and that that was the the first actual top but apart from that yeah always training kit and like third kit or whatever it is I never actually went for the the traditional one would you say you're a bit ahead of your time then because you see training kits now like you go into shops like sport direct and even club shops and it's just yeah loads of training kits nothing like you can get them in any goalkeeper training kits? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's crazy, isn't it? It's just, it literally is just something else to uh, something else for the clubs to sell, kind of thing. But yeah, it's, I, I can't even. I don't even know why. I don't know if it's just for me. It wasn't cool to be wearing a kit, so I'm gonna wear something different. But you're still gonna see that I support Man United. It. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's some decent gear about now, isn't there? I was good. I'm a Nike person, so I was good when. United left uh, Nike or Nike dropped us, however it went. But yeah, there's still some some decent 
off-field gear. It's annoying sometimes when training gear is like better than the actual kit the team releases for the season. You think, oh, that'd be an excellent yeah, yeah. design. That'd, that'd be looking far better. Yeah. But it's, it's when other teams have decent clobber as well. So, like, because I'm in Manchester, you see quite a bit of um, Puma gear, you know, for, with City and... Like, I've got the big night coat and Klopp wears that, doesn't he? So, uh, yeah, there's gear like that, the way you're like, oh, that, their, their team gear is actually better than ours at the minute. But, yeah, I'd say I'd say the, the off-field stuff's a lot nicer. But the person someone was telling me buying the kids' uh, tops for Christmas and that the prices have gone outrageous, haven't they? So even when I tried to jump on board with the old uh, England getting to the final and that, I was like, right, I'm going to get a top last minute for the first time in 20 years or whatever it is. And I think it's coming out 100 quid. I was like, no, I'm not that uh, not that patriotic. We'll leave that one. So... I think the worst yeah. one is we have a match kit and then, like, just a replica. So Liverpool have two price ranges. So you can get, like, a really good kit or just yeah, get that's, like... Close to being the home kit, and it's all yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I noticed. Is that well, what's the difference? Cause I think it had sterling on the back, and I was like, What has he actually wore this one or something? What, why would it be coming out at like this stupid price? And then, yeah, someone explained to me that it, there's replica, and then there's pro, and then there's whatever. It's just, again, it's stupid add ons, isn't it? Back in the day, the step down was going abroad and getting a few uh, a few kits from like a stall abroad. Yeah, do you know what? As as much as I don't want to be um, advocating that or taking money out of the club, they, they, it's, they've gone stupid with it, haven't they? If they kept it at a decent price, I'd be all over it. But yeah, I've got too many kids to be trying to get get them all kits and all that kind of stuff these days. So hopefully they won't start nagging me for them. So. You had a United gear. Did you ever have any other funky kits like from other teams, maybe? No, I was never into it that much. I nearly, nearly went down the, the Beckham Real Madrid route uh, just because we love Becks and they had them all in the, the sports directs and that around there. Uh, but never actually went through with it. And when I was growing up, everyone loved Brazil. So there's all them kits flying about, but no, never actually. But again, it was it was always stuff to do with the teams. It was never the actual shirt. So I had a few Brazil things uh, growing up, a few Real Madrid things, just because Beckham went over there and that whole Galactico period they had. I think when we're playing five-a-side, when the, the schoolmates had a five-a-side team, there was there a, a bright yellow Dortmund kit that they wanted that they all had to wear to uh, to stand out, but yeah, never really been a shirt collector or anything like that. I picked up a fair bit of gear over the years, and I being at Burnley, and then obviously all the gear from Southport. Just plucked a couple of those shirts out to try and either frame or hang up in a in my office kind of thing. So yeah, got loads of training kit from from everyone. It, it's only right that you, you collect a bit of gear on your way through, innit? Well, we'll move on to like the playing side of things now. You, obviously, you'd have been very young, but do you remember that first time going out on a football field like as a kid, like just having a kickabout? Yeah, I got chucked straight into it, to be honest with you. It was one of them, uh, you're big and athletic, you'll be good 
kind of things when I was in primary school. We were in a pretty hard knock primary school in Fallowfield, South Manchester. So we had a, what do you call it, like a gravel pitch. So that was, that was interesting for the first uh, few years. So yeah, that was my first run out in terms of in terms of football, primary school, gravel pitch. Absolutely cut to shreds. So it was uh it's lucky that I carried on after that. It was you a bit before three G's and the astral pitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even they were, were horrific, weren't they, at the start? And if you like me and you can't help but slide tack and jump about like an idiot, uh gonna come away with a few bruises every time. So yeah, that that was me. Primary school, then we moved on to um, got scouted for the local uh, Sunday League, Saturday League team, uh, Green and Raiders they were called, and they were over. They were based in Burnage, and um, yeah, the manager was an absolute legend. Looked after me, and then went over to another team, Fletcher Moss, and uh, yeah, they they ended up one of the the better teams from Manchester. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they were the ones that the likes of uh, Rashford, a few United boys played for him in my time. I just missed uh, Wes Brown and Wes Brown's brother, Clive Brown. Yeah, and they've gone on to send quite a few people around the place, and it was them that scouted me for Burnley. Did you ever play against anyone like growing up at youth level that you thought you could tell like these are going to go on to do well? Who did I play against? Yeah, there was a few when we ended up, you know, when you start playing for Manchester boys and that. Yeah, so I can't, can't think of any off the top of my head now. It was, um, oh God, what do you call it? Neil played for you lot, played for Liverpool, striker. Neil. Neil Mellor. Yes. Yeah, Mellor, yeah, Mellor's, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, he used to play against him quite a lot. Um, if you ever talk to him, don't ask him about it because his stories are totally different to mine. His memories are totally different to mine. Um, but yeah, I had a, a few few games against him. And who else was there? It's been a few over the years, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. Manchester was uh, was pretty good for for youth back then. I was lucky over the years, the, just like the, the period that I was at Burnley did, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because of Stan Turner, um, you just knew everyone in football at the time. But a few big names came through there, like uh, Gaza, Ian Wright, David May. You know what I mean? Uh, he, he somehow got them boys playing for us at some part of uh, my career there. So, yeah, it's it's always crazy when you you bump in, you meet someone like that and get chatting to them and get their inside knowledge on where they've been and all that kind of stuff. So what was it like at Burnley for you, like starting your career up there? Did it give you good foundations for the rest of your career? Uh, it depends how you look at it, really. In terms of being a proper defender, so to speak, yeah, yeah, it was, it was class. Um, just all about heading, tackling, doing it properly. Um not many people know of the the lads that I I had ahead of me, but they were still to this day some of the best defenders I've ever seen. And like uh, big Steve Davis and Mitchell Thomas and people like that, just uh, yeah, is is massive from a from a learning point of view. 
top place. Super, oh, really old school, really old school. But but in some ways, uh, it gave us a good good grounding, great foundations. All just your typical YTS stories, you know. He still made us clean boots after it was. It wasn't really the the done thing. He still made us stay behind, clean the stadium, uh, look after the first team, set up training, all that kind of stuff. So, in terms of that old school graft and work ethic and respecting everyone around you and all that kind of stuff, it was yeah, it was it was pretty military like that. Of course, after you left Burnley, you had quite a few teams so where did you go and like what was it like just dropping down like playing for a different range of teams yeah it was I, I didn't really have a choice in the matter it was it was a it was an awkward one really with um with that because at the time I was it's a strange one because I was doing really well I was actually doing really well at Burnley um everything was going well manager liked me um but he, he he only played experience all the time, no matter all the nice things he was saying to me. Oh, come match day, it was always, I'm putting such and such in because he's got this amount of league games and that. So it was actually me that asked to go on loan. And they specifically said they're not going to send me to another league club, hence me ending up at Staley Bridge in Southport. Um, and I enjoyed my time at Southport. So that was always going to be a, an option, you know, going back to after after spending a bit of time there on loan and stuff. Um, went on a couple of trials, but I was coming back from another knee operation and I was kind of, he kind of told me there and then that I wouldn't be able to play full-time football again on these knees, but still went on trials. So I ended up at Swansea, did a good trial there, uh, loved it down there. It just didn't quite work out for whatever reason. Um, ended up coming back up this end to Berry. And absolutely hated it there. It's just the, the first thing they made us do. I don't know if you, you know their setup, but you've got like Gig Lane and then the training grounds down like a mile down the road. So it's basically the warm up was start at Gig Lane run down to the bottom of the road, run down the round the cemetery and then into the training ground. And because I'd just come back from a knee injury and it was all, I was specifically told, do not run on concrete. Yeah, that was short-lived. I just said, look, is this going to be the warm-up every day? And he's like, yeah. I was like, well, it's, it's basically not going to work then. Um, so, yeah, it was around that time I ended up giving Liam Watson a bell or he gave me a bell. I can't remember how it went. Yeah, took it from there. So, what was your first impressions of Southport during that loan spell? Obviously, I'm presuming it's a good one. So, you might yeah, yeah, class. yeah. No, it was class. Um, <laughs> it was, it was hot. I can't, it was one of the northeast teams. So, like one of my first games, I think this was the loan on loan. Um, the lads must have been sound because I, I'd, I'd I'd spent like three, four hours on a coach with them on my very first game uh, going up north. I'm sure it was Spennymore. And it ju I just remember thinking this is the coldest place I've ever been in my life. I think I was drinking Lemsip as my me, me pre-match drink. And uh, 
yeah, that that was a pretty grim start. But after that, yeah, as soon as we went back to Hague Avenue, I don't know. I, I still to this day, when I talk to fans and that, I don't know what went on. I don't know how I made such a good impression. But from day one, they're absolutely spot on with me, even when um, it came. I think on the loan move, we ended up getting, I think we got relegated. And it was still amazing to me kind of thing. So, yeah, it was, it, I was always going to end up going back there, I think, at some point, because just because of how I was treated, that was like from the top to bottom, even Mr. Chairman at the time, Charlie Clapham, not everyone's uh, everyone's best mate, but yeah, even at the time he was he was decent to me. That changed over the years, like. But um, so yeah, from top to the, the volunteers, the fans, everyone just bang on with me, and it just felt like a, a great place to be. How nice is it that you go back and you're actually like a legend, and you've still got that good bond with the club? Because I, of course, even young fans now know will know who you are. So. Yeah, yeah. You must, be, you must be proud to have that impact at a club. Yeah, that's that's a mad one, that, because the, the fan base wasn't massive. So, yeah, it's, so it's still, to still go back and have people remember, it wasn't massive, but there was a lot of love within, you know what I mean, the, the small community that it was. So, yeah, still going back, like, I can't remember, a couple months ago for the Kevley you know, Hall of Fame thing and talking to everyone. And the club looks amazing, by the way. It's changed so much, hasn't it, over the last couple of years in terms of uh, everything that they that have done there. And, yeah, going back and seeing the little uh, fan zone and all our pictures up on the wall and stuff like that. Yeah, I'd never, never imagined any of that would, would happen a few years later. So, yeah, it's nice. So... Of course, a manager you've always worked very close with is Liam Watson. So what was your first impressions of him like? And could you ever imagine what a huge part of your career he'd become? No, uh, absolutely no chance. Uh, he's, he does things differently. I think you have to work with him for a while to, to actually appreciate how good he is. Um, his knowledge and his memory I've never known anyone like it for for non-league football in terms of if I, if I was to ask him for anybody's phone number in non-league he'll have it for me within minutes if I was to phone him up now and say because I, I never remember anything me to be honest in terms of my career and matches I could, I could literally ask him about a minute in a match and he'll be able to say yeah this happened that happened He's different in the changing rooms. He's all about his jokes and, and what have you. But, yeah, once you, once you get behind all the banter and that, you, you realise that what he does really well, he gets a certain group of lads together. He likes it. That's, that's vital to him. You've, you've got to fit his personality and you've got to be a, a decent personality. You've got to be a decent person. Uh, he's all about the team spirit. And then, as I say... I, I never really listened to tactics, to be honest, because I'm a centre-back and <laughs> I was just told to go and defend. But, yeah, in terms of knowing the opposition, knowing what they're going to do, knowing who to look for, yeah, second to none. The, the best I've worked with in, in that sense. Of course, you've been part of some of the successful sides. 
So what was it like just being a league winning team and having those memories? Um, yeah, nice because I always get to remind him of that when he tries to armor me for for my uh, lack of ability. Um, I'm able to remind him that I was a part of two of his uh, his league title winning teams um, in various cups that we won over the years. But yeah, unbelievable memories. Was fortunate enough to have won it, won the Conference North twice with him. Um, people always ask which one was the best. Uh, couldn't really choose uh, if if I'm really forced to think about it. I've, I've sometimes said maybe the second because I played more games in, in that particular season than I did the first one, but memories for life with with Liam. And that second had quite a dramatic ending as well. Yeah, that is just crazy, where it? It, it was mental, the to and throwing. Uh, with Fleetwood just running in and checking checking their results and yeah that it was madness it was pure madness and it, it look if you if you were them you'd probably say it wasn't fair the way it ended but I'm gonna take it it got nasty towards the end and there was there, was, uh, there were phone calls being made we we were hammering them they were hammering us you know we I knew players in their squad. Um, yeah, it, it got really nasty, didn't it? And the chairman got in there, chairman, Andy Piley, Billy, whatever he's called. He, was, he had a lot to say for himself. Um, I fell out with Mickey Mellon because I originally met Mickey at Burnley. Mickey was an absolute legend, one of the best lads uh, that, ever, that I ever played with um, as a player, but seemed to change his ways as a manager. So I fell out with him through that period. So, yeah, it got got really personal, so it's nice that it ended the way it did. And just uh, on your career as a whole, it came to an end because of, obviously, injury. So, yeah. how do you look back on, like, of course, football's on to finish on the long terms. So, how do you look back on, like, sort of injuries throughout your career? Like, is it a frustrating thing or is it something that you're still happy with what you achieved and you don't get too down about that? No. No, um... The, the knees the knees were a weird one because uh, for all the operations I had every time uh, I got them cleaned up or fixed or whatever um, the same things were said uh, with the way medicine went and operations went I probably would have been better just rupturing my cruciate or something and you know getting it fixed but the fact that it was cartilage and there's just absolutely nothing you can do uh, with that it was it was just a case of manage it. Um, did it prevent me from playing further up? I don't know. I, I'd like to say, yeah, but you just, you never know, dear. So in terms of doing what I, achieving what I achieved with the pain that I was going through and the restrictions in terms of training and fortunately meeting someone like Liam that understood and didn't see me as someone that was trying to duck training or, Miss certain games and he, he helped me manage it well. So, yeah, I reckon I did as much as I, I could have done. And, yeah, when I look back, um, like I say, uh, to this day, I appreciate it, but I haven't got a clue why I ended up so loved at the club. So it, it's nice that I've, uh, I've obviously made an impact there. And, yeah, it's still, it's still kind of going now to an extent. 
Well, we're nearly at the end of the podcast, but we finish with the same question every time. And that is, if you could change any of your football firsts, anything we've spoken about, what would it be? Good question. Really don't know how to answer that one, to be honest. Uh, if I was to change one, I would say I wouldn't have sneaked into Man City and I would have made it. <laughs> I would have made sure Man United was the first uh, first game that I went to. Yeah, I'll go with that. Shocking, really. Main road, you know, first stadium experience. Yeah, I know. Shame, I can't even believe I said it out loud on a podcast. Let's keep quiet about that in future. Yeah, yeah, it's a freebie on it. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. No, top man. Appreciate that. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Football First Podcast. Don't forget to leave a review and give us a like. This is the last episode of the series, so hope you enjoyed it. See you soon.